you know, not to say like COVID made me an artist, but COVID made me stay at home, obviously. And I had so much time. And so I was like, well, you know, if not now, then I guess when would I try and make this more of a serious practice? And so, and it kind of felt like very slowly I started to to develop a language almost or like a vocabulary of like pieces that I could bring together that felt a little bit more and more like me with each painting. Hello, welcome to another episode of Dear Seekers. This is Sasha. I am just imagining how you are listening to this episode right now. Maybe you are out for a walk, maybe out for a run, walking your dog maybe, or in your studio making art, or strolling your infant, sleeping infant hopefully, or your taller around, um, or you in a car going somewhere. Well, however this conversation is reaching you, I'm really glad you're here. And uh, who you just heard earlier was Janine Brittle. She's my guest today. I actually met Janine on Instagram many, many years ago when she was still working on Sophomore. It was a magazine she created in her early 20s with a group of very good friends. And unfortunately, in 2020, the magazine reached its last chapter. And since then, Janine had worked as an interactive designer in a tech startup, then a graphic designer at a homeware and design company, and eventually landed as a creative lead at the Global Mail's content studio. Even though Jeannie had been doing graphic design for many years, I always knew there was an artist in her. Well, I guess it's not that hard to spot it. (laughs) But it wasn't until the pandemic that Jeannie herself finally reconnected with her inner artist. And then she decided to put more attention and love on her artistic practice. And you know, for many artists in any discipline, finding their own voices and artistic vocabulary may take years. Yeah, usually take a long time. But for Jeannie, it only took one pandemic. (laughs) Only. Well... I'm kind of just bring some humor in. The lockdown definitely felt much longer than it actually lasted. But the silver lining is being forced to stay in a confined space in a way evoked some sort of like, if not now, then when moment for her. So with some very clear signs and guidance from the universe, Janine took a leap of faith and decided to practice her art full time. You know, when we're talking about her art, you will see so many descriptions like whimsical, dreamlike, theatrical, beautiful with a thrill or twist. But if you know her, these descriptions will also be very appropriate to describe Janine herself and her style. And what comes out the other end are Janine's desire and pursuit to preserve her past memories and feelings, which is, isn't that so poetic? All right, before we get into the conversation today, I just really hope that you can head to Apple Podcast or Spotify to leave us a review or comment. That's just how, you know, the algorithm works. The more people share and comment and review, the more likely other people is going to find it. 
And if you are already subscribing to our Substack letter, then you will be able to receive all the conversation just a few days early and have access to all the personal. Yeah, I just love Substack because it feels more intimate and personal. You know, you can actually leave comment or even reply directly to the email I send you. And if you have any questions or feedback, you can directly hit reply as well. You know, it just feels like someone is there instead of like me sending out these conversation to the universe in the void or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean?、Um, anyway, so. Get back to the conversation, and I really hope you will enjoy it. Okay, and you can hear me, okay? Right? Yeah, yeah. You can hear me. Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. I'm good. I like your sweater. Thank you. <laughs> Where from? Um, I got it from Collaboration Vintage. I don't know if you follow her. She's in Burlington. Um, but yeah, I like found her on Etsy, and then now I follow her on Instagram. She has cool stuff. Oh, I I never heard of them before. Yeah, little, it's really nice. Little shop. It's called Collaboration Vintage. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna check them out. Um. All right. Um. As I said earlier, funny thing is like we follow each other on Instagram, so I always feel like we are friends already, even though we、mm-hmm. never met. And I think that's the trick of social media in a way, right? It's like kind of trick you into this reality that you created or co-created together. Yeah. Um. In a way, it's not really reality because, like, the reality is we never met、yeah. in person. Yeah. So it's like the interactions we had was the only thing that I could use as the source for me to create some sort of friendship. And yeah, it's so interesting how I guess that's kind of like the the dating world as well. I I think that's off topic, but a lot of my friends are in that world right now, which I haven't, you know. Tap myself into that world for so many years. I've been with my husband now for forever. Yeah. Um. So in a way, it's really interesting how we created this sort of um, you know, um, reality in our own world, and that's the reality we live in. And that kind of interesting to segue to to your artwork because when I was researching to prep for this interview, I realized um, a lot of your artwork has. A lot to do with memories, and you know, use your painting skills to on you know on canvas to actually to think in a way that that is your、um, is your medium and and artistic、uh, discipline is how you use that to as you said、um, to understand yourself better.、Mm-hmm. Um, and to first, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. I promise because I've <laughs> I, there's a lot of just here. I'm really interesting. But also, I didn't know you were born in Germany and、mm-hmm. um, to German and Brazilian parents, and you actually lived in or, or actually grew up in Calgary. Yeah, which I I was there for two years as of my professional life, and then you studied in Amsterdam, and now you're based in Toronto. So definitely a lot of cities and places have been you know in your life. Yeah,、um, and then I think. It's no doubt we're all combination of、uh, where we have lived and the interactions we have with the places we've been. But I wonder, is there like particular place in you know, like in your memory or in in what you can remember that really shape 
who you are today artistically? Like, yeah. is there if you can go back to that particular memory? Was it something that pop out right now? Yeah, no, I love that you asked me this because I feel like, yeah, I'm this combination of all of these disparate places. Um, and we, I mean, I grew up in Calgary, but we moved to a lot of different neighborhoods within that city. So it never felt like really there was like one childhood home that I had. But the one thing that was always constant was my grandparents' home in Germany. And they live, um, well, it's just my grandmother now, but she lives in the city that I was born in. So it's like, I don't know, I feel this connection, I guess, um, to that house and to that city in a way um, that I don't really feel with like Calgary, for example. Mm-hmm. And then the city's name is Mainz, right? I never, I never yeah, actually heard of the city. Mainz. But I guess Mainz? I think in English you would maybe say it Mainz, but I always say it in German, so I say Mainz. <laughs> Mainz? Yeah. So I never even heard of that city. So if you can actually kind of give us some comparison yeah, yeah. Uh, of like what that city is like and in comparison to Calgary or even Toronto, if you could. Um. Okay, yeah, let me try. So it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a smaller city. I think it's uh, about 200,000 or 300,000 people. Um, so I guess it's like kind of... Uh, comparable maybe to Guelph in size. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's very different. Uh, I think European cities just generally have a lot more density. So it feels like when you're in like a, a city center there, it just feels like there are more people around because everything's more compact. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's on the Rhine. So you might have heard of the Rhine, famous river in Germany. Um, it's the uh, region that Riesling is from, I believe, um, which is my favorite wine. Uh, and also it's where the uh, printing press was invented. So it's kind of cool. It's a cool city. Um, yeah, I really like it there. It's like good combination of like old Roman ruins um, and then, you know, some classic German architecture and then, yeah, beautiful, beautiful river, beautiful nature. Yeah. When was the last time you were there? Um, I was just there. I was there in February. I, I try to go at least once a year. Mm. So do you feel like every time you go back and it's almost kind of like an artist retreat for you to kind of pump up some new blood in I your, think so, yeah. your artistic life? Yeah, I think so. I think it sort of like fills up my cup again and I get a lot of visual inspiration. Um, and my grandmother is very interested in art. So we always go see art together. Um, but just like, I mean, a lot of the paintings that I've done are based on experiences that happened while I was there. So it's just always like, yeah, a very big source of inspiration. Oh, so you actually did a lot of paintings when you were in Germany. I do paintings when I'm there. Yeah, I mean, I have the mm. last few times that I've been. Um, I, I like take over a, a corner of the house. Um, mm. So when I was there in February, I did three paintings. Uh, and yeah, it's it's like very nice to paint there also. I, like my grandmother's so supportive and sweet. So she's like, please paint while you're here. And like, you don't have to do any chores. It's just painting for you. Um, so it's it's quite nice <laughs> oh then why are you here you should be there all the time <laughs> no. have someone you know carve out a space literally for you and yeah, to I mean I do that's my, so nice I have my studio here and my partner mm-hmm. is very sweet and he cooks really delicious foods I don't have to worry about cooking while I'm here which is nice that's nice yeah so um so what is Toronto what does Toronto mean to you now um do you I mean, I want- do you feel home here Yeah, I do. I I went to school here. Um, I like, I think there's something nice about Toronto being kind of a city of neighborhoods. Like I I live in Roncesvalles and it just feels like very 
um, intimate and and like a small town almost. But then, you know, um, like 20 minutes on the subway and I'm suddenly surrounded by skyscrapers, which is kind of an interesting feeling. Um, but I think Toronto, yeah, Toronto for me has been um, a place where I have figured out who I am. So that feels very special. Um, not to say that I maybe couldn't have done that somewhere else, but um, because I did it here, I think there's like a part of the city that's just embedded in that. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, and that actually perfectly segue to one of the questions I have because, you know, like as I mentioned earlier, I kind of see you from afar on social media, how you kind of come closer and closer to yourself yeah. artistically and personally speaking, um, individually. And it's kind of fascinating to watch because you just like, and I, I don't know if you talk about this in an interview or you talk, you actually told me this on, on, on Instagram. I don't remember exactly where the source came from, but I just remember you mentioned, you know, you feel like you finally find yourself, um, your artistic voice in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talk about Toronto being like, almost uh, a source of that part of this whole self-discovery. So can you walk me through that? Like, how did you actually finally, you know, um, be able to, you know, come so close to your artistic self? It was very hard. I mean, I don't think, I still don't think I'm totally there. I think it's sort of an ongoing process, but, um, well, I think that's like everybody yeah, or every artist. Yeah, if you're like, I'm there now, like then that's done, like the death of done. everything. <laughs> um, but well, so I don't know if you know this, but I used to run a magazine. Yeah, that sophomore. Was, that was my like creative project for a really long time um, in my early 20s. And I don't know why, but I think I just kind of lost steam on it. It was like very ambitious and, you know, we were pumping so much money into it and it was like a lot of fun, but but I think it just reached a point where that chapter of my life was ending. And I kind of at the same time rediscovered painting um, and it was, you know, a hobby at that point. Like I would paint sometimes on the weekends and sometimes after work, but I wasn't very dedicated. Um, and I think I was also very frustrated too, because I had this idea in my head of what I wanted my paintings to be, even though it was like very abstract, like loosely formed idea. I just knew that like where I wanted them to be and what I was able to do at that point were so um, disconnected. And it just felt like this like impossible hurdle to to reach that point. Um, so I just, yeah, so I was very inconsistent with it because I just felt so frustrated by it. But of course, like you know, the only way to get a little bit closer is to do it more and more. Um, And that's, you know, something my partner would tell me too when I was like really beating my head against the wall, feeling discouraged. Um, He's he's a writer, so he also understands. Um, But I think like the, you know, not to say like COVID made me an artist, but COVID made me stay at home obviously and and I had so much time and so I was like well you know if not now then I guess when would I try and make this more of a serious practice and so um I mean I was still working at that point but I wasn't like you know I didn't have plans in the evenings or on the weekends so I was just painting the whole time um and it kind of felt like very slowly I started to 
to develop a language almost or like a vocabulary of like pieces that I could bring together that felt a little bit more and more like me with each painting. And I, I have, I do like morning pages. I don't know if you know about those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, the artist way. Oh so my God. I, sorry to interrupt. Like I was doing this for, for quite a bit and then till I had became a mother and that yeah, was not possible yeah. anymore. So I'm really lo- looking forward to yeah. go back to that, but okay. You continue. Of, so yeah. One of my affirmations pages. in my morning pages, like I do my pages and then I do my affirmations and it's <clears throat> each painting brings me closer because I feel like Yeah, like every painting is the step that you need to get to the next painting. And so I just remind myself of that, like when, you know, if the current painting, it's not, it's still not quite right. That's the step I needed to get to maybe the next one will be a little bit closer, you know. Um, So I just kind of like kept painting and a lot of them were crap. Um, But I just kept doing it. And then, you know, I was posting them on Instagram. And so like gradually, um, people started to see them. And I think like, as I was getting closer and closer to myself as a painter, people were responding it more. Like as the paintings were becoming more honest, there was like something where people could connect with that more. Yeah. I think I just rambled a bunch. I'm sorry. I don't even remember what the question was. Oh, no, no, no. You you did ramble. Why did you say you ramble? Like it was so to the point. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people need to listen, li- li- need to hear that. I think that's so important because um, I think a lot of times it's true, like as artists or as creator, you have this like concept or this end goal you wanted to achieve, right? You can almost see it so clearly, but then the skills, the the mindset, the, the a lot of things we are pr- currently have just cannot yeah. carry us yeah. over there. So it's like, can we ever be there can we ever be closer to that to that vision so yeah and then it's what you said earlier is so resonating as well you said you know it was when till you actually get closer to yourself and then your artwork actually resonated with many people and I think that's so true because watching you from afar again it's like I can really see every painting you put it out there at least on social media from what I saw it really get closer mm-hmm. to clo- closer, you know, like, I just feel like there's so much thing that you kind of got it from your in- internally yeah, in yeah. a way. I like to hear that. What, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, I wonder, um, cause you talk about like, you know, like paintings almost kind of like yeah. a therapy for you. And then you, during the whole two years COVID, you, like many of us had no choice but mm-hmm. staying home. And that almost gave you the, the opportunity to, to kind of explore mm-hmm. painting itself. And then um, you use painting to, a way to understand yourself. So what what did you try to understand? Because you did a lot of self-portraits, yeah. I think, during the COVID yeah, time. Yeah, I still do. I, I really like self-portraits. Um, I think it's also fascinating. I mean, this is a segue, but I think it's just fascinating to like try and do a self-portrait and try to uh, be honest with yourself about what you look like. And I think like, it's very, very hard. And I think, um, you know, as honest as I try to be, there are things where like, I just have sort of a resistance to like certain things about myself. Like I've decided I look a certain way or whatever. And I, um, that was definitely a part of the uh, sort of initial um, painting during COVID where I was just thinking about that a lot because we're looking in the mirror constantly, like being at home, I think 
Um, I've never looked in a mirror so much as I did during the lockdowns. And also with things like TikTok, where people are so fixated on their faces and facial symmetry and, and all these kinds of trends that are happening on that platform where, um, you know, suddenly I'm looking at my face a lot more critically and also realizing that, you know, we can never actually see our own faces. We can only see a reflection in a mirror or a photograph of our face, but you don't ever see your own face the way that you can see someone else's face. It's always through some kind of um, like medium. And so, so I've just been very fascinated with that and like trying to, um, trying to get at something there. I'm not really sure what, but that's been a part of it. And then also I think just, I mean, in the lockdown, again, I was thinking about you know, being, I was, I think, 26, I guess, when COVID first happened. And then um, just kind of realizing, like, now I'm 28, turning 29 in August. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a whole chunk of my 20s that um, have kind of not vanished because, you know, so much life has happened in that time. But just, um, like, the way that I live my life has changed so much in those years. Um, and so I was really thinking about like memories from my early twenties and like, just kind of recognizing that like that chapter of my life was coming to an end. And so, um, trying to put all of those things onto a canvas, um, and, and just sort of preserve them in a way. Um, and that's kind of the thing that informs most of my painting, I would say, is this pursuit of preservation and documentation of memory. And, and I have like a fear just generally about forgetting things um, and, and like forgetting things that felt so significant to me in the moment, but because of the way that time and memory works, they just sort of like evaporate a little bit or like become more abstract. Um, and so that's like a, a, something that gives me a lot of anxiety. And so that's also a part of it is like trying to um, hold on to these things as much as I can and putting them onto a canvas is a way of doing that, I guess. Mm, that's so beautiful. And then you talk about how, you know, you kind of like flirt or interrogate with this idea how memory has failed mm -hmm. us in a way. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by memory yeah, has failed it's, us? It's hard because I think you remember something and you remember you know, as time goes on, you remember only the the specific details that were kind of the most important things, but the rest tends to fade away. And so you're left with like an idea of what happened as opposed to, you know, the, the like actual, I guess, actual thing that happened. And it's almost like I sort of think about, think about when you, you know, tell a friend a story and uh, you're you omit some of the details to make the story go faster or, you know, you like maybe you embellish like one part of it a little bit to make it a little bit more interesting. And that happens in our minds too. Like I think the way that I remember, you know, like certain nights out of my early twenties are probably a lot like sweeter and a lot um, like just more, I guess, cinematic than, than what they actually were. Um, and that's beautiful too, but it's also, I guess to me, it's also, yeah, a little bit scary how much a memory can change or how much it, yeah, how much it can fade over time. And so that's, um, part of why I 
paint them so obsessively. Um, but also I think like in that process, you, there's the same thing happens where there's, I'm, you know, I'm omitting certain things or I'm um, modifying the memory to make it better for me or to make it a more beautiful painting. Um, so that same kind of like uh, loss of, of the trueness of it happens in the painting process too. So there's a bit of a tension between trying to preserve, but also recognizing that in that process of preservation, it's already transforming. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I have to admit, I find this some this concept a little bit conflicting in a way because your your paintings are so dreamlike, very whimsical, right? And that's like the opposite of in a way that I would see documentation mm -hmm. or um, trying to preserve something that's from mm -hmm. reality. Um, so I wonder how do you kind of like, um, yeah, how do you kind of like negotiate this line of like preserve something from reality but yet bring some sort of a whims whimsical yeah. stuff in into the painting yeah. as well <clears throat> a lot of my voice <laughs> um i think i mean i think that's that's sort of perpetually what i'm fighting with is this um need to preserve and also yeah knowing that in that process like, because I also don't want, I don't want the paintings to be exact representations because I think that's impossible. Like if I try to do that, it's a battle I'm going to lose anyway. So what I'm more interested in is documenting the feeling of the memory. And I mm -hmm. think that makes for a more interesting painting because it can be a little bit, yeah, a little bit more dreamlike, um, a little bit more uh, maybe unsettling too in a way. Um, and I also don't paint from photos. So I think that's a big part of it too, is that just because I'm not looking at a photo reference, there's so much of like imagination that's coming into play anyway, that, um, there's already kind of a distancing from reality, just in the fact that it's, it's not like a true to life image. Hmm. So are there any, I love that, like you try to preserve like the mm -hmm. feeling of the memories in a way that I think that's so beautiful and poetic, but also that it's emotion as well. It changes. So I wonder when you go back to certain paintings, your memory kind of shape, were shaped in this sort of idea of like what mm -hmm. the feelings mm -hmm. were like from what you remember. And, but then you go back, you kind of kind of almost like form a different type of feelings where they kind of that happened to you or. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. I mean, I think that happens even if you, uh, you know, are looking back at photos of like a vacation or whatever, where the memories that you have of that time almost become replaced by the photos. Like you, you sort of stop seeing in your head um like what what you have stored up there of of the scene or the moment and you start replacing those images with what you have on your phone um and so it's kind of the same where the the paintings kind of become um yeah almost like a surrogate of the memory um but it's i, I don't really know like it's sort of this thing that i'm trying to figure out because yeah, there's, there's this obsession with documentation and preservation, 
but in doing that, I'm like kind of undoing the memories at the same time. And so I don't really know what to do about it because I, I like have this compulsion to preserve. And if I don't do that, I think I would be a lot more anxious than I am knowing that the process of doing that degrades the memory a little bit too. Mm. So is there certain paintings now you're looking back and because I know you have so a lot of paintings. So in a way that you can't really look at the paintings from a very physical distance, almost like through another medium again, Yeah, like either through the photo you documented or through, you know, someone else or your, your customer or your yeah. buyer will send your photos. So in a way you can't really see those paintings. They kind of just gone. So would you feel like they are almost have a closure for you, like when they're just gone and then you kind of package that memories and feelings and then delivered and then that was something you just kind of have a chapter closed or you still have linger, yeah. have, have this like feeling of lingering that you want to be closer to that painting's already someone in someone else's home. So I think for the most part, it is like that where it, it goes off to a collector and then it just feels like, yeah, it feels sort of resolved in a way. Um, and it is cool to see them then like to see a photo of it in their space and sort of see how it becomes a part of their life. Um, and I definitely have felt quite sad at times when I have to say goodbye to a painting because it is so much a part of me. But I think in the instances where it still feels unresolved and I'm still like, I still have some kind of yearning to work with this memory in some way, then I just keep working with it. If it's not done, then it, then it's going to be another painting or, or maybe several more paintings and then it'll be done eventually. Mm. Yeah, because I never like... Paint, painting is not paint something it's not or drawing it's not my medium I'm telling stories so I I just had this thought I never experienced this feeling of like have a over something original that you send to someone else because right. like as a writer you write something even if, as a book yeah. it's all copies right it's like then you still have that original draft yeah. whatever that is right and so with original piece that has been going through with you and send that away. I, I never had that experience before. So I'm sure that's like the experience for many artists who had that practice, that discipline. So what was the first painting you, you sold? Do you remember? Um, let me think. It's funny yeah. that you have well, to think about so it. <laughs> Cause I feel like many artists will be like, that is the painting. The first one you know, that would evoke so much excitement, I assume. I think the first painting that I sold, well, okay, I, I mean, it's hard to delineate because I have, like, sold, um, like, not very good paintings on Instagram, like, years ago. Um, <laughs> but I think the first sale that felt significant to me was um, in the summer of... 2020 I had painted it was quite small it was like 24 by 18 inches and I had painted this self-portrait um of me sitting on a chair beside a table in sort of like a garden space um shirtless but with big puff sleeves yeah oh I remember that and that was kind of one of the first paintings where I had moved away from photo references and was just kind of giving myself the freedom to just see what happens if I just go to a canvas and just paint 
whatever is inside me and just let it come out. And so it was very freeing doing that. And also then um, felt validating to have someone like it enough that they wanted to buy it. And I think that was like a kind of pivotal moment for me because that, like I said, that was a, a painting that was very honest um, because it was so like, it was so stripped back from all of my usual tricks at that point, you know, like I hadn't, I would collage together photo references in Photoshop and paint that and then try to be like perfectly realistic. And this was such a move away from that. And it was just a lot more free. And so I think it was kind of the universe saying, keep doing this, you know, like this is this, something about this is the right way for me. Um, and so yeah, so I think that was the most significant because it it sort of was like a a turning point in a way. Mm. And that was the time that you feel like you got so close to yourself and then that piece of yourself were almost seen, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It felt like a very vulnerable painting to do. And I, I've, I mean, I've since then done paintings that I, most of them are very vulnerable at this point, but that was kind of the first instance of that. It just felt like very scary actually to post it on the internet. I, I was quite nervous. Yeah, it was just very, it just felt like I, yeah, like I'd been seen by this person who brought it into their home and made it part of their life. Mm. What is your creative process like now? Because I remember I read somewhere you said you you took a long time for you to develop your own creative process. Mm. So what was it before and what is it now? Yeah, so before it would just be collaging together like photos that I'd taken or photos that I'd found in Photoshop and just like working on that forever, basically moving things like one pixel at a time um, and then eventually painting that. And that's like totally a legitimate way to do it, but it wasn't working for me. I think I needed to let go of like almost as if they were training wheels, like those were things that I was leaning on because I was scared to like just sort of be alone with myself in a way. Um, so now, I mean, I'm working on uh, some sketches for a show coming up. Um, and so I start with some kind of idea or like little um, kernel that feels truthful to me, feels like something that I need to um, interrogate a little bit or explore. And then I'll move into sketches and I just kind of have like a vague idea of what sort of concepts within that idea I might want to explore. And I just let myself be very free and I do these like tiny, tiny little thumbnail sketches, like really small little things. Oh, so nice. like here's some more. There's so many. Um, so these like really, really small little sketches that are very fast to do. And I just do a, a lot of them. And then eventually there's something that comes out of that that feels like that's the way to do it. It's all very intuitive. So I something feels like it's telling me this is the idea. And so I take that and then I start iterating on that idea. So like it might just be something kind of, for example, a hand holding this little orb. I have something that I'm working on. I'll show you. Let's see. So it's, oh, wow. That's That's beautiful. Too bad the listeners cannot see it. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) listeners. But so 
it'll be something like that. Like I, ha I have this idea of like, this is in a desert. I want this like orb. I want a hand holding it. But then I play with exactly the composition. So then I'm doing like lots and lots of these little thumbnails, figuring out exactly how all of these elements interact with each other. Um, because at that point, the kind of idea, I have the idea, but the, the actual like, at that point, it's more about the composition and it feels a little bit more almost like a design exercise, like the the way to to kind of get these things all together in a way that makes a composition that is compelling. And then again, it's something where it just sort of like locks in and it feels like I resolved it. And then, then I can move on to the canvas. So that's where I'm at now with that one. Um, and then again, that, that feels like a very intuitive process. Like I'm not really thinking about colors in my sketches. I only really get to color when I'm at the canvas. And then, you know, I might try a green somewhere and realize, no, 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 it actually needs to be pink or green might be right the first try. But it's it's sort of this like building this relationship between all of the elements on the canvas. And um, yeah, like I said, very intuitive at that point. And so that's like a very meditative state for me when I'm just painting. Um, really like the that ideation stage is where I'm doing like most of my thinking and then I can just get to the canvas and I have music going and I'm oops, sorry. I'm just I was gonna ask what type of music. Oh <laughs> um I love Taylor Swift dearly. So I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. Um, I listen to and her songs get your creative juice flowing. Yeah, like I really love uh, the Folklore album and Evermore, her uh, two most recent albums before she started doing the the re-recordings. I just love them so much. I think they're such beautiful examples of storytelling. And I think, I mean, my paintings are a way of storytelling too. So I like this kind of um, narrative quality to those albums. And then I just love Leonard Cohen. And I love like, I put on like sometimes if I'm really you know, like in a high energy mood, I put on like pop pop, like Carly Rae Jepsen, um, Lord, like dancey pop music. Um, but for the most part, it's more, yeah, like more mellow, more um, like lyrical, Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, um, Taylor Swift, and then also a lot of podcasts. Mm. So at what, which point did you feel like it's getting closer of a painting or have you ever um, encountered with a painting that, you know, you, you got so close, but then you feel like the process was completely a fraud? Not quite where I felt like it's a fraud, but I often feel this way at like the three quarter mark of a painting where I'm like, oh, it's bad. I, I came so close, but it's bad. Um, but I still finish it most of the time. And then it's not so bad. It's still not quite... <laughs> Still not quite as close as I hoped, but it's closer than I thought it was going to be. And I think that's that's sort of the thing that keeps me going is like this idea that like maybe one day it might be right. I just have to keep going, even though that's probably never going to happen. But it's kind of this thing that fuels me in a way, this like pursuit of of like feeling like I got it, got it right, I guess. Um, but yeah, I... I often feel when I finish a painting like content, but I know what I could have done better. Hmm. 
And one thing I found interesting is recently you actually、um, step into be a full time artist. So can you walk us through that process? Like, at what point did you feel like now I'm ready、mm-hmm. to to jump into this? It was something that I was like keeping a like secret, I guess, for a long time. This desire to try this scary step, and also I think I was keeping it a secret because I knew I wasn't ready, so I didn't want to. Share that, knowing that, like, I felt that it was too early anyway.、Um, but I had kind of been planning it more seriously, I would say, since August. And at that point, I just thought, you know, I'll quit my job. I'll just do freelance design work, and that'll free up time for painting. So that was the plan, and I started saving a lot of money at that point, where I just, yeah, was being very, very careful with my spending and just putting away as much as I could, so that I would have a bit of a safety net. So thank goodness for that, because that's what I'm living off of now.、Um, but yeah, so it came time. I planned in August to quit,、um, like end of year, basically. So that was something that was kind of on the horizon that I was working toward, and then from the time that I made. That decision to myself in August to December, it just felt like the there were so many signs saying this is the right call, which was very cool. Like I, can you share yeah, some yeah, signs? Yeah. I'm always interested in learning yeah, signs. <laughs> so I I like made this decision, and then a month later.、Um, I got an email from a gallery in London about showing one of my pieces there. So that was like the first thing where I was like, "Cool, very, very." They、cool. contacted you. Contacted you didn't、me. actually contact. Yeah,、oh, and it、wow. that was the first. So in in August, I had a virtual show, but then in this show in October, that was my first time showing a piece in real life. So that was very, very cool, and I have friends in London who were able to go to the opening for me and like sent me a lot of photos and videos and stuff. Because I couldn't go myself,、um, and then there were just other things like you know. Shortly after that, I got another message from someone else about showing a piece in their gallery, and it just kept like snowballing in a way、um, to the point where I had so many、um, commitments already for this year that I wouldn't be able to do all of those things and still be working full time. So it was like it really felt like the universe was being like, "I'm going to make it so that you have to make this choice if you want to do this," which was very nice and and made it a lot less scary to then you know actually quit and and make the leap.、Um, so I ended up quitting not in December but in January, just the way like things worked out with with my work. But、um, the On the morning of my last day, I had a meeting with a gallery in Madrid, and they invited me to do a solo show. So it just felt like so much、wow. was just coming together as I was making this decision. Like, like as soon as I put it into the, the world that this was a choice that I was making, it felt like things lined up in a way. And and I'm not like super、um, like spiritual or like. A huge believer in in that kind of like energy manifestation or whatever, but it really did feel like that's what was happening.、Mm-hmm. And do you still paint every day? What do you have any rituals? 
to kind of get you. Yeah, you into I mean, the... morning pages. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're the I best, right? For, for any listeners who really don't know about them, like I highly recommend, I can tell you probably highly recommend as well, is from Julia Cameron, The Artist Way. Um, I think her book has changed so many people's lives. Um, it's really about this practice in the morning. You write, I think three pages, right? If I get it right, just anything you can think of. Like I remember when I started, I had nothing on the page. I couldn't write anything because there's so much in my mind got stuck. And I just remember she said, even when you have nothing else to offer, you just say, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. And then you would just come Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. So, okay, continue. Morning pages. Yeah, so I do my morning pages Mm. with a cup of coffee. And then Mm. it depends where I'm at in the process, if I have paintings that I'm already working on or if I'm kind of in that sketching thumbnail phase. But so right now I have um, two paintings, actually three, that uh, I'm sort of started on. And then I also still have some more thumbnails to do. So I kind of like bounce back between those and just like whatever um, I feel like working on at that time. But... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm painting pretty much every day. Um, it's, yeah, I just have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, all right, I'm gonna pause now. I mean, stop now. All right, I'm really happy that you made it to the end, and I hope you enjoy the conversation today. If this conversation reached you through Substack, and if you have any questions or feedback, you can directly reply to the email. If you like, you can also connect to us, well, just me, the one woman show, on Instagram at Dear Seekers as well. All right, until next week, enjoy. Enjoy.